Viewing life from a hearse, it could be worse. Laugh, think, and cry with the country undertaker. This is Bruce Goddard, and you're listening to the View from a Hearse podcast. I want to wish all of you a very happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Day 2022. I can't think of a better guest to be on this podcast on Thanksgiving Day than my friend Ed Grismore. Many of you will know that Ed Grismore wrote an article for many years, ended up being a human interest article. He was in sports. He did all kinds of stuff. He's a journalist. He's written 10 books, but he wrote these articles regularly. He was a daily part of my life. On Thanksgiving Day, his articles would cause everyone just to swallow hard and think and be just a little more grateful for whatever you had. He has a he's a wordsmith if there ever was one. So Ed, thank you for jumping on here on this Thanksgiving day. I hope some people will listen to this after they've already had the turkey, but some of them will be listening to it on Thanksgiving day. So thank you for joining here. Well, thank you, Bruce, for having me back on. It's an honor to be on your podcast. I uh, really enjoy listening to it, and I'm was very honored when you asked me earlier this year to be on um, and. You know, you have a great thing going. Ed, like me, has recently retired. We're going to talk about how he's reinventing himself in uh, in his retirement. But, Ed, I guess uh, in talking to you, the first thing that comes to my mind is I am grateful for our friendship. I look back, I think it was about 25 years ago that you and I met, and I, we, I've just felt a kindred spirit towards you. You're, you're like a brother. And I'm grateful for that this Thanksgiving Day. You, you you look at how things just happen. You know, things happen for a reason. You know, I believe that God puts us in places where we meet people. And I, I go back and I think, oh, well, I never would have met that person had it been not for another person kind of putting me in that position where I did meet. Them. Isn't that the truth? You know? yeah. yeah. Harley Bowers was the sports editor of Telegraph for many years, and he invited me to— uh, joined the Making Lions Club, and through that Lions Club, I met people who uh, were, were, you know, they were contacts, of course, but they became friends, and I still stay in touch with many of them. But if Harley had not asked me to be, you know, to join the Making Lions Club, I never would have been at the Making Lions Club that day that you spoke, and I was uh, so interested in your message and uh, chased you down in the parking lot and asked you if you had ever had a story written about you, and you said no, <laughs> and then um, end up on your front porch at the funeral home there in Reynolds, and uh, for a long friendship uh, came out of that. Yeah, and you you put me on the map. I can tell you that that article i think was on the front page of the paper and i started getting speaking engagements like crazy because you had a lot of readers making telegraph for you folks from other states it was is a daily paper back then people actually read the newspapers and it was all over central georgia i don't know how many readers you had what the circulation was ed but i know it was the main paper in in central georgia for sure you came from a wonderful family and I know you're grateful for your family on this Thanksgiving day. When we get this age, and the age we're getting, and you start looking back on your life, that stuff becomes more important. Not only your parents, but your siblings. Just talk about them just a minute and the influence they had on you. 
Well, my dad was a, a doctor, and uh, he instilled in me the value of, of, of hard work. And he was a very smart man. And I take the life lessons that, you know, he instilled in me and use them, apply them in my life every day. Uh, my mother gave me the gift of uh, reading. Uh, she insisted on taking us to the library and uh, always having books in the house. And she, she read to us uh, when my, my dad was in Vietnam for a year and we would crawl up in the four poster bed with her and she would read us, uh, read us stories. You know, she also had a wonderful outgoing personality, the gift of gab. <laughs> and I think I kind of in, inherited that from her as well. And the oldest of five children, I always say I'm the favorite child. Um, but, you know, we're very close. And, um, you know, now that I'm, uh, I've been married for 40 years, I celebrated my 40th uh, anniversary this past summer and um, have three sons, just like you do, Bruce. Yep. And have, uh, I don't have as many grandchildren, but I have four grandchildren. They're and, coming, uh, though, I can tell you that. It looks like to me. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the greatest thing. And I think you're right, as you get older, the things that you appreciate are those kind of things. It's not about the stuff. You really? know, I tell my wife all the time, I'd rather, you know, spend the money making memories than uh, just have, you know, a piece of furniture over here in the corner. So that's what we try to do. And the reason you would rather do that, because your parents spend a lot of time making memories with you. And you know today how important that is. If you're out here and you're listening, you young parents, listen to this man. And he's telling you the truth that this stuff is what's important. Uh, your children will grow up to be very grateful for the time you invested in them. I can tell you that. I remember, Bruce, you, you one time, uh, this was part of uh, your your speech was talking about how when you played uh, basketball in high school, um, you're, you know, you'd be out there and your dad would show up in a coat and tie. Mm -hmm. And he was the funeral home director there and in, uh, in rentals. And he was a very busy man, but he made a point to go to all your games. Sometimes he would get there late and, you know, sometimes he'd have to leave early, but he was there. And I, you know, my dad was the same way. My dad was a doctor. I mean, he was on call a lot, but he, you know, he was there. Uh, the spirit of presence, that's what we call it at our, at our house is the spirit of presence, you know. You can be physically there and still not present too. Absolutely. The spirit of presence. You know, I feel feel that way about going to church every Sunday as well, that there's something to be said, you know, of being there. And sometimes I can go to church, and if you ask me what the sermon is uh, 30 minutes afterwards, I might not be able to tell you. But I might remember what songs were sung, and I, rem I might remember who I was able to hug. And uh, I'll take something about that, you know, with me throughout the the week sure and uh, there's just something about being there you know, being being present so ed something else that I, that I know you're thankful for you and you and i both are georgia dogs and you ended up going to georgia and talk about you going into journalism school do you have any idea what you were getting into when you started i know you're grateful for that i think i always knew i wanted to be a, a writer you know from a from a very early age, uh, I would write, uh, you know, little stories and poems and, you know, I even published my own little family newspaper. We were living in LaGrange, Georgia at the time, 
and it was the LaGrange Daily News, and I would take out Blue Horse Notebook Paper, and I would write the stories, and I'd write the headlines, and you know, I'd I remember draw those, Blue I Horse. I did my own little cartoon strip, yeah, Blue Horse Notebook remember, Paper. Yeah. And I would sell, you know, I don't know how many pages were in each edition, probably four or five. Uh, and I would staple it together and sell it to my mom and dad for 10 cents. And that was my first uh, first paying job in, in the newspaper business. But, you know, it was just a matter of, of uh, loving to write. And like I said earlier, my mother instilled in me uh, the love of reading. And I, I write and I had teachers. I'm so grateful. Talk about being grateful for teachers along the way that recognized something in me and encouraged that and nurtured that. I had a high school English teacher, her name was Miss Janet Atwood, and she was my 10th grade um, uh, English teacher. Um, she ended up later having cancer and, uh, and passing away before she, she had a, a chance to really see me become successful in my writing career but my dad was her doctor hmm. she signed me up for journalism uh at our high school without me even knowing it i mean that's it she she saw something in me and she put my name down on the list and next thing you know i'm sitting in homeroom and they're calling out who the editors were for this new newspaper that they were launching and they said my name and i was a sports editor and i didn't even know how to apply for the job uh, but she she truly um, changed my life, and, and I was in journalism for two years in high school, knew that that was what I wanted to do. But, of course, Bruce, you remember that was right at the same time uh, as, uh, you know, Watergate and mm -hmm. Woodward and Bernstein, and all of a sudden the journalism schools all over the country were having an influx of people who wanted to be uh, journalists, but all because of that. So it ended up you know, being very competitive. But I went to Georgia, which had one of the top three journalism schools in the country. That changed my life uh, once again. So, Ed, I also know that although you were not from Macon, I know you're grateful for the city of Macon. You had you have become an icon in Macon. You're known by everybody that can read that's lived there for a lot of years because you were, they saw your name, saw your articles, read your articles every week. Talk about being in Macon. There's that old song that uh, Garth Brooks sang, you know, thank God for unanswered prayers. <laughs> uh, I was all set to go to Columbus, Georgia after I graduated from journalism school because I had my internship there and they had offered me a job and so I went my entire senior year thinking I was going to go to Columbus and then at the last moment there in the late spring they had a hiring freeze I ended up in the sister newspaper which was Macon and for me Macon was just going to be just a little stepping stone I mean I had my sights set on you know brighter lights and bigger cities and my plan was sort of three years in Macon, and then I was going to move on to uh, Charlotte or Lexington or Tallahassee. You know, I, I was I was writing sports, so I was interested in in one of the college towns, and uh, it was still staying in the Knight Ritter. Um, but you know, I just, I just there was something about Macon, um, and then I met my wife, who was an only child. Um, and very close to her parents. And uh, so I tell people when I married her, um, I married Macon. But that's been a good thing because, you know, Macon is a great place to raise a family. 
And uh, I just stayed here. I had opportunities to go other places, and I just stayed here. It's been very good for me. This wife he's talking about is Delinda. They make quite a pair, I can tell you that. She's a wonderful lady. She and Ed really have made an impact in making together. Ed, talk about the Macon Telegraph, and I know things have changed now. You had a wonderful career there. You visited a lot of people. You had to. You ended up. You started with sports. You ended up doing other stuff. But you met a ton of people going and chasing articles. It just. I know that was a wonderful time in your life, and I know you're grateful for that experience at the Telegraph. Like you said, I started out as a, a sports writer, and I was a sports writer for. 18 years. Then the opportunity in 1998 when Bill Boyd retired, um, I had the opportunity to move into his position, which was writing local state columns, so human interest columns, slices of life columns, and going all over uh, Macon and Middle Georgia. And uh, the one thing I just absolutely, the best job in the world, and uh, the one thing I loved about it was just, I was my own boss. I wrote four columns a week. They turned me loose. Uh, you know, I went all over the place and met so many people but having been in sports for that number of years you know high school sports i got to know all these communities i got to know all these people because everything revolved around the the schools so i got to know coaches and yeah. the, you know the the uh, yes i mean it just opened up uh, and so even when i took that with me when i started writing local columns I knew so many people in these little towns. There was not a town I couldn't drive through that I didn't know, you know, 50 people. If I'd had a flat tire, you I could have just called for, in. You could have run for you know, senator or something and won because everybody knew you. I knew of you. I knew of you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too I'm, I'm too honest <laughs> to be a yeah, politician. Right. Me too. Bruce. I'm too something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, the sports writing, I knew that was not going to be my career. I don't think I could have kept that pace, you know, as I got older. And then the moving into the the role as a column writer just opened the door for the books, the speaking engagements, and, you know, doing a, an, an audio book that got nominated for a Grammy. I mean, it was just all yeah. kinds of things. But when I left the newspaper, and this has been 2015, I still continued to write once a week and, uh, you know, teaching full-time teaching uh, at Stratford Academy, teaching journalism and creative writing. Enjoyed that. But over the years, I've seen as newspaper readership has declined, I know I still have a large loyal audience that I, you know, built. I spent a long time building uh, that's still out there. And that's why... I've just started this new independent writing venture, you know, where I can reconnect with some of my my readers and uh, do storytelling much the same way I did at the Telegraph for all those years. The newspaper business changed. What I'm thinking as you're talking, four columns a week, and I'm a very amateur writer and uh, and inspired by people like Ed Grismore that really know what they're doing. I am untrained, but putting four articles a week is not an easy task. And I know that forced you to go out and chase all these people. And as you look back, what you were forced to do turned out to be 
your greatest gift, right? Well, yeah. I mean, when I took over, I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to feed the monster every other day? Um, and it was very intimidating at first. But I think as I went along, you know, the more I wrote and the more, you know, people uh, became readers, you know, they knew what I was looking for. And I started getting, you know, letters and emails and phone calls from people. I would write about somebody. And next thing I know, my phone's ringing and it, it caused somebody to think of somebody else yeah. that they wanted me to write about. So I had a long list of stories. And you have a long list of people that not only you have stories about, but you met and built a relationship with. And I know as, as you look back in your life, that becomes more and more important. And it's another thing that you, I know you're grateful for having the friends that you've met through your writing. I mean, it's got to be. You've also, you've also have been honored in your career. I know that's another thing you appreciate, that uh, you've been honored a lot. You wrote 10 books. So just talk about some of the honors you've had in your life, in your writing. I will. Let me, let me go back and just, just uh, add you to the list of people. You talk about meeting a lot of people um, who ended up uh, being really good contacts. I used to call them bird dogs. I know that doesn't, that doesn't sound too, too flattering, but there were people like yourself out there who could re- recognize a good story. And I think you put me on to a dozen or so stories about people, things going on in Taylor County. And I was, I was grateful for that. And you know, the speaking engagements were another thing that that helped uh a lot because i would you know go to all these little towns and i'd go to a civic club or i'd go speak at a seniors uh senior adults at a church and uh you know just share stories and there was always people out there who would come up to me afterwards and bring me more stories you know so those were those were really advantageous um and i look out and i'd see a a lady out in the audience writing something on a napkin. And then she would, you know, like come up to me afterwards and say, you need to call this person. They would make a great story. Whereas when I first started out of the business, I was concerned about not having enough material. It just ended up, I had many more things to, uh, than I could ever have written about. And it, you know, it allowed me to, uh, uh, to be more selective sure, about sure. what I did write about. But the awards, I tell you, Bruce, early early in my career, the awards were important to me. I mean, I can remember, you know, even winning my very first award when I was a senior in high school and uh, went to the University of Georgia with the Georgia Scholastic Press Association. And I won first place in the state in uh, sports writing. And, oh, gosh, I mean that was an affirmation that, you know, this was what I was called to do because I was getting ready to go to a journalism school. And then early in my career, when I would win a, a writing award, it just helped build my confidence. It wasn't so much an ego thing where I needed all these trophies or plaques to hang on the wall. I mean, it was nice, but eventually it just became something that I just wanted to be out there making a difference that was that was my reward um and the will rogers uh humanitarian award uh was you know the greatest thrill i've ever gotten professionally and that was uh in 2010 i was a member of the national society of newspaper columnists and uh they give this award to one person in the country every year it's named after uh will rogers 
the great philosopher, and it's for their it's for any newspaper columnist and for their work that they do in the community. And so to be recognized for that, I went to uh, up to the University of uh, Indiana, IU, up in Bloomington, uh, Indiana, and received the award. It was a little statuette of uh, Will Will Rogers, the very famous pose. You know that that statue is in the rotunda at the U.S. Capitol in Washington. It's that famous one of him with his with his, uh-huh. with his cowboy hat. You know that meant a lot to me to be recognized for that. And for the last 12 years, I have wanted to go to the Will Rogers uh, Museum in Claremore, Oklahoma. I mean, because I had learned so much about this man and his life, and uh, just n- it never worked out for me to get out there until this past summer, when uh, when Delenn and I were celebrating our uh, 40th anniversary, and I went to a broadcast journalism teachers uh, workshop in Springfield, Missouri, <laughs> which is the birthplace of Route mm-hmm. 66, and that was another thing that was like on my bucket list that I wanted to do part of Route 66, right. the Mother Road. You know, just to do that. And so we went up to this conference and we took a little side trip down into Oklahoma and uh, to Claremore, which is right outside of Tulsa. And when they found out that a Will Rogers past recipient of the award was coming, I mean, they rolled out the red carpet. Oh, it, was just, yeah. it was it was great. It was really great. I, we, we spent, you know, four hours. Uh, so you can ask me anything about Will Rogers. I, uh, I could pass the, the the trivia test, but it was a great day. You were voted the like the Georgia Author of the Year one time too for your books, right? Right. I was in the uh, creative nonfiction category, and yes, that was a that was a nice uh, nice honor as well. It was uh, up at uh, Kennesaw State University up in Atlanta. You had a heck of a run. So, how hard was it for you? And you mentioned already you teaching at Stratford. To be a writer, to go into teaching, talk about that. I know you were grateful for that experience. Oh, absolutely, and uh, continue to be. I'm blessed every day by these young people who keep me young. And uh, it was really funny. When I left the Telegraph, uh, a lot of people didn't get the rest of the memo, and they just thought I had retired. So I would be out somewhere and somebody would come up to me in a restaurant and they'd say well how's retirement and i'd say i'm not retired i'm tired i teach high school kids all day it was and continues to be just a a great way to to keep involved in writing and teaching because you know we all do that we all teach you know whether we realize it or not and I, you know, I'm not a textbook kind of guy. I believe that these young people learn by doing, and I try to instill on them some life lessons as well as technical skills and writing skills. And it's been great for me too. I mean, the business has changed. You know, I come from a print background. You know, where you know, I'm a writer, and now everything has gone. Uh, digital and uh, there's more emphasis on uh, broadcasting Uh, and so I've had to learn a whole new end of the business it's still fundamental you know like writing is the is the foundation and you have to be creative and you have to be a good reporter 
But the technical part of it is what I've had to learn because we do a broadcast every day. Right. We do a daily broadcast. There's a lot of moving parts to it. So to make sure everybody understands, you're teaching just part-time now, right? Right. I'm teaching two classes. I, I went from five classes the last several okay. years to two. And my schedule is such that I teach in the mornings. I'm going to get there pretty early, but I'm through by lunch. And so I just teach the, the two classes, and that has given me the flexibility, you know, to do things in the afternoon with my family. We have the grandchildren over uh, a couple of days a week. And then with my writing, I'm, I'm able to, to work on that. So, you know, I just, I'm, I'm through at lunch. Basically, I'm through at lunch. I know there are people listening to this on Thanksgiving Day that, that tuned in because they wanted some Thanksgiving magic from Ed Grismore. Well, I think the tradition of writing that Thanksgiving column, uh, which uh, I don't even know what year this is that I've done it, actually borrowed the idea from Furman Bisher, who was a sports writer for the Atlanta Journal for many years. He would write a Thanksgiving column every Thanksgiving about what he was thankful for, and it involved sports. So I actually started it when I was a sports writer, and I learned to appreciate the little things. You know, everybody tends to look at the big picture. But, you know, if you look at the little things and be appreciate, appreciative of them, you know, that they all add up to the big things. So I carried that with me from uh, sports. And when I started writing the local state column, continued to write it and still write it. And I just, all throughout the year, I just, you know, I'm, I, I make notes about things that I'm, I'm grateful for. If all through the year you just make notes of things you're grateful for, you'll be a much more grateful person. I need to do that for sure. Well, you know, you just don't sit down the night before. You don't sit down the night before and write it. I mean, it's one you just take inventory of uh, of, uh, of your life and the people in it and the and the, the wonderful things that are in it and be appreciative of them and you know there's some things that uh, little things like you know when you get up on a cold morning and go out and your truck starts i mean yep. that's great <laughs> that's a Isn't great it? way to start the day you don't want to start the day uh -huh. with a dead battery uh you know so just be grateful for that and uh you know there are you know people that i meet uh there are uh there are people that that are saints in my life that i want to recognize uh there are you know, I call them just guardian angels out there, just kind of, you know, watching over me. And uh, and those are the things that, you know, that, that I try to, to, to continue to write about and share with others. Because it's not about me, it's a shared experience. I think when I write about something, people tend to look, you know, look inward and, and find those, those things in their own lives to be grateful for. I know I've had a lump in my throat many times reading your Thanksgiving Day articles. And I suppose you, you're going to be writing one this Thanksgiving, right? I am. There are a couple of things that, that make the list uh, every year. Like, I'm thankful that I'm not a butterball <laughs> turkey on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. And for, for many years, I was thankful that I had gone for the whole year without hitting a deer out on oh. the highway. You know, I reflected it in my batting average that, you know, that I was batting point zero 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 against hitting a deer and then one day i did hit one and i had, <laughs> I had to cut that thing out <laughs> i had a long long record there but it got snapped
These are some written words of Ed Grismore. For these things I am thankful. For people who are slow to speak and quick to listen. For instruction manuals that are not written in four different languages. For being born and raised in the South with no desire to live anywhere else. For not having to wear a mask and seeing people's smiles again. For those who show up for work when the world is short-staffed. For self-reminders, I'm not old, I'm retro. For traveling down country roads with my favorite girl. For students who have retained the stories I have told them and the life lessons I have taught them. For good manners, church homecomings, poll workers, bird watchers, violin players, rock climbers, doodlers, porch swingers, and critical thinkers. For folks who know how to fix things when they break. For Albert Einstein, who not only was a genius, but a wise man when he said, not everything that counts can be counted, and not everything that can be counted counts. For folks who share their stories on front porches and at kitchen tables, that I don't have to apologize for who I am or what I believe. For hearing aids, early risers, first responders, homemade soup, weighted blankets, and loyal newspaper readers. For red trucks, blue skies, green grass, and yellow bows. For people who appreciate what they have instead of always wanting something else. As the saying goes, be where your feet are. For a yard filled with camellias, the winter rose. For the poetry of Carl Sandburg, one of my favorites, who wrote, Love with little hands comes and touches with a thousand memories and asks you beautiful, unanswerable questions that I can still whistle the theme song from the Andy Griffith Show for drama-free days, comfortable shoes, lemon drops, summer adventures, and autumn leaves, especially the ones I don't have to rake. For Driftwood Beach on the north end of Jekyll Island, one of the most photogenic places on the coast, that I was able to watch my six-year-old granddaughter read to my mother, her great-grandmother, from the pages of the first grade book my mom read from when she was the same age in 1934. For college football game days and cross fingers, my alma mater will still be at the top at the end of the season. And for UGA quarterback Stetson Bennett, a South Georgia Cinderella story, who recently told an interviewer that as a walk-on once buried on the depth chart, he had only hoped to be able to run out of the tunnel from the locker room and touch the grass. That many of the great rock bands from the 60s and 70s are still touring and boomers are turning out for their concerts. For the prayer my grandmother kept in her Bible. I pray not for riches or worldly fame. I just ask for strength to lift your name. If a friend has a need or a burden to bear, help me to be there to show that I care. Help me to be all you want me to be. Let others see Jesus living in me. For Delinda, Ed, Grant, Jake, Summer Sterling, Brewer, Sterling Gray, Jenny Pope, Bennett, and Mama Charlie. For absent friends and guardian angels. For all your blessings too. And may I add to Ed's Euro list today. For Ed Grismore, who has figured a way to reinvent himself from a pencil and pen writer to one with a platform on a digital stage that will allow all of us to read him now and in the future at a click of a button, and who has a gift to make us all pause and to think 
and to be grateful. Ed, I know you were a fixture in the making paper. Everybody knew you. Things have changed. Not not nearly many people subscribe to a written paper. You're not writing for the paper at all now, are you? Are you doing anything? No, I, I stopped writing for, for the paper in May, and I sort of took a sabbatical from writing for a while, knowing that I did want to get back into it. And I also knew that I was going to be uh, starting part-time teaching. I wanted to kind of get settled in with that to kind of see actually how much time I would be able to devote devote to it with my new schedule. And then I, then I realized I could do this and I could do it well and I could do it. You know, I'd like to say as many as three, three times a week. I mean, I was writing four wow. columns before, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm writing all the time, Bruce. I mean, I, you know, I wake right. up in the morning and you probably like the same way. My, my wife says my, my never, my yeah. mind never stops. I mean, I just, you know, I'm always, if I'm, when I'm not writing, I'm thinking right. about what I'm right. going to write. And so I wanted to find um, a platform, you know, where I could continue to tell stories about people and things and places and events in uh, Macon and Middle Georgia and also somewhat autobiographical. You know, when you're a columnist, you write about things that happen in your life, things that you believe in, because those two are shared experiences. So I was just looking for sort of an independent way that I could do this. And that's where I landed on Substack. And uh, it's a wonderful website. Um, if people want to check it out, it's sub, S-U-B, stack, S-T-A-C-K dot com. Substack is all one word. They have thousands of writers, and many of them are uh, former journalists. It's a, a place where they have sort of taken, taken their work. But the, sort of the beauty of this is I know you probably share the same same view that I do. It's very aggravating to get online and go to a website and try to start r- reading reading something, and all of a sudden you're fighting and, off yep, all yep. these ads. You know, they're just like right. everywhere. They pop up, and you know they pop up from the right, the left. They come up from the bottom. All of a sudden, a video starts playing out of nowhere, and you're going, "Man, I'm just trying to you know cancel all these things out just so I can you know, read it." The beauty of this platform is there's no ads. It's strictly, it's a relationship between the writer and the reader, and uh, it's just you're there. And how you support this is you subscribe to uh, the writer uh, and their, and their uh, website. It's not their website, but they have their own page. The minimum you can charge is $5 a month, which is what I'm charging to start this thing out. And I'm going to just keep it at that for as long as I do it. I'm no inflation. There's no inflation in this whatsoever. <laughs> I actually subscribed the other day, and I, I paid $50 for a year. So I got it less than $5. Yeah. I just paid $50 for a year. I yes, paid $50 yes. in a heartbeat to read Ed Grismore stuff. I can tell you that. You got like a goal that, that what you're writing, it takes somebody four or five minutes to read or something. Didn't I see that? You, you're doing 
quick stuff and yeah yeah it's going to be you know between that's i said three to five hundred words six hundred words something like that and eventually as soon as i learn the technology part of it you'll be able to mm-hmm. listen to it as well so in other words if it's a 500 500 word story there'll also be audio on there narrated in my voice and you can just listen to it you know, there's also the opportunity to do videos and a podcast. I hope to do my own, start my own podcast at the at the start of the year, and uh, we'll get this thing going. I I started it on November first, which was my father's birthday, so I did it in memory and in honor of him, and started out the first week just offering it free, you know, so people could kind of see what it was like. And uh, now, I guess about a week and a half ago went to paid uh, so you can view uh, part part of the story to kind of get you into it and hopefully it's intriguing enough to make you want to read the rest of the story and you have to be a paid subscriber for that but like i said five dollars for a month you can't even buy two new way chili dogs for that so you know it's we're going to get it going and it's going to be a great thing and it's really uh re-energized me as well with my writing i mean sitting you know, sitting up here right now in my study uh, about to sit down and write something on, you know, Mr. Bob Dickey, you know, who passed away yesterday and, of course, had a real nice friendship with Mr. Bob. I actually spoke over at Carlisle Place a couple years ago, and he was there, and I I had a really good conversation with him afterwards. So uh, that's great. I know that would be great. That's what he does, folks. He writes about real people, real things going on, and he, he pulls your heartstrings. He makes you think. When you see his Thanksgiving stuff, as we're celebrating Thanksgiving, I don't think that, that that's one article I never missed, and I don't think many people in central Georgia missed it. It was just always, like he said, the little stuff, but it, you would leave with a lump in your throat uh, after reading it. So this is Ed Grismore. I'm talking to folks formerly from the Macon Telegraph. He's a writer extraordinaire. He's a wonderful communicator. He's been a great friend to me for many years. And Ed, thank you for joining us here, and uh, I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. You and Del- Linda and your boys and grandchildren have a happy Thanksgiving and all of you listening you have a happy Thanksgiving today viewing life from a hearse it could be worse laugh think and cry with the country undertaker